Why can't Sammy Sosa get any Cooperstown love? Will 2022 be a different narrative? Locked on Cubs coming at you right now. You are Locked on Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning to you. Happy Monday, Cubs fans. I'm Andrew Bellison. This is Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So good to have you with us. I hope you enjoyed every second of your weekend, and I hope uh, hope you're glad it's Monday, because I am. It's Monday morning. Tackle it with a smile. I want to thank you for taking the time each and every morning uh, to spend a few moments with us. It really means a lot. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Locked on Cubs. We love and appreciate you. Engage with us on social media, please. I'm not very good at it, but I use it. If I can do it, you can do it. At Chicago Cubs PA, at Locked on Cubs. Great, great stuff to get to today. Uh, We've got some Cubs and MLB lockout nuggets that I want to get into Cubs signed seven players, actually. How, how did they do that? I thought the I thought the league was locked out. We'll explain that later on in the show. Also, we take a look at the two best ballparks in Major League Baseball in terms of food offerings. We've made it all the way through the list from worst to first, top two today. I know you're excited to see what cities those ballparks reside in. But first, why can't Sammy Sosa get any Hall of Fame love? This is it for him on the ballot. Final year. Tenth final. Probably not going to get in if I had to bet. I get it. I know. Steroids. Um, Reputation. Right? However, there are other players linked to or found guilty of using performance-enhancing drugs that get a lot more love from writers from the voters, from fans for that matter. And this really has always perplexed me, and I I just never have understood it. Had a very interesting discussion with my father-in-law about this. Him and I might be on separate sides of the argument, but that's what makes it fun. Discussed this last week a lot as well when we got into the Hall of Fame and the uh, Veterans Era Committee, the people that they voted in. Sosa, at one point, a few years ago, had dropped all the way down to receiving just 6% of the vote. Now, he's since rebounded. He has come back from that. But still, very minuscule amount. Nowhere near the 75% requirement by the Baseball Writers Association of America vote to gain entrance into the Hall of Fame. The Athletics' Ken Rosenthal must have read my mind and others in my camp's mind at some point as he penned an article just recently here for The Athletic, entitled, Why Does David Ortiz Have So Much More Support Than Sammy Sosa? Exploring Yet Another Hall of Fame Contradiction. It's a super, super interesting look, comparing essentially two guys in the same camp when it comes to steroids. One in his first year on the ballot, Big Poppy, hell of a player. I mean, can't argue that. And one in his last, Sosa. Amazing numbers. I want to dive into some of the key points of this article. I don't know if you've read it or not. 
take the time if you have not. Some of these explanations he has still don't answer my questions, but I've drawn a very important conclusion, at least for my own mental well-being, which I'll get to here in a little bit. First and foremost, Ken Rosenthal still has never voted for Sosa in all 10 years that he's been on the ballot, but he did vote for Ortiz this year in his first year of eligibility who he says will likely reach the 75% threshold required for entry at some point. Now, we touched on this briefly, and this is an interesting it's an interesting argument. He says, perception is key. Says Rosenthal, Rosenthal, and I quote, the troubling part for me is that I believe allegations of Ortiz's steroid use are too flimsy for me to withhold my vote, yet I applied a different standard to Sosa, even though the known evidence against him is the same. There is a perfect sentence that explains the difficult nature of this situation and conversation and argument with all of this era player when it comes to performance enhancing drugs and their use. This is going to be a never ending debate. And I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. And someone with OCD like myself likes black, white, the gray areas where I struggle. I, I like cut and dry. I like to say, okay, this can go one way, this can go another, but the wishy-washy nature of it is what makes it difficult for me. But Ken makes a very good point. Ken did in the article say he voted for the max amount of players, which is 10. Interestingly enough, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, both very much tied to this whole ordeal from that era, are included on his ballot. He voted for them both, but no Sammy. This is a little contradictory in my mind when he says, my general philosophy is to pick the best players, excluding character and even performance enhancing drugs from the equation, except when it comes to those confirmed to have violated baseball's joint drug agreement, which took full effect with penalties starting in 2004. Much as some of us might wish otherwise, the hall is not the hall of good guys or the hall of only clean players. Ken, it's, that's a that's a poignantly penned sentence. But if this is the case, then why no Sammy? I don't know if there's really a right or wrong answer to this whole debate. I I wonder at times if maybe we think too hard about it. For some people, it's cut and dry. They should be allowed in. For some people, it's very cut and dry on the other end. They should not be allowed in. I just don't understand how you can get last year, Bonds, Clemens, both had 60 plus percent of the votes respectively. Again, 75% needed for admittance into baseball's Hall of Fame. If this is the case, why are some players like Sosa essentially shunned so much when they played in the same era. He brings up another good point in the article in terms of Ortiz and Sammy side by side. Sammy essentially played the bulk of his career before the testing policies were put into place. There was overlap between Ortiz and Sosa's career, yes, but Sammy was done in what, 05 maybe or 06 with Texas, somewhere along those lines, where Ortiz at the time was essentially just coming into the game. So most of Ortiz's playing career was played 
when the random testing and testing policies were in place. And he still was able to essentially keep his nose clean. I understand that argument to a certain extent. The whole thing is, is really is really well written. Check it out, regardless of what side of the fence you're on. He, he closes his discussion by saying this, and this is a quote. I've come to understand that my reasoning occasionally will be flawed, that producing a consistent ballot is almost impossible. I'll continue trying to make informed, thoughtful decisions. But Sosa versus Ortiz is the kind of comparison that gnaws at me, knowing there is not necessarily a right answer. Wow. Brutal honesty from one of the game's best reporters and writers. Ken Rosenthal, absolutely brilliantly said. This is essentially the debate I stuttered over a few episodes ago for nearly the entire episode, trying to reach a conclusion on this that appeased myself and hopefully appeased others, and I didn't get there. Is there a right or a wrong answer? No. Yes. It depends on who you talk to. There's more gray area here that clouds this entire generation of players than we even realize. It's the chemically enhanced eternal cloud that it essentially taints this era of superstars. And that pains me because these were the guys that I idolized as a kid growing up. While I don't feel this article has necessarily answered some of the questions I had in my head before reading it, Hearing about the struggle of a writer who's privileged enough to vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame surely makes the fan in me feel a lot better. So for that, Ken, well done, and I say thank you. We have counted down all the way from number 30 on the list to number one and two, the two best major league ballparks in terms of food offerings across the entire league, plus their overall best dish right around the corner. want to ask you if you have tried the all-new Built Bar. If you haven't, this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better. It's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich, decadent flavor, and it's low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, low in fat, but packed with protein. Built Bar gives you extra fuel. You need to bust down those mall doors to finish all of your holiday shopping. Are you friends with Santa? Have him throw a couple in your stocking. You're not going to regret it. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's Built.com. Promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Try Built Bar today. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Locked on Cubs rolls on after this. We return to Locked On Cubs. Happy Monday to you. I'm your host, Andrew Bellis, and I want to thank you again for taking the time each and every morning to make us your first listen. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It is so good to have you with us and engage with you, Cubs fans, baseball fans. This is Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On Cubs, at Chicago Cubs PA on Twitter. Are you ready? We have made it. Do you believe it? The two best ballparks in terms of food in all of Major League Baseball. Now, I highly doubt that you've been keeping track of this at home with pen and paper. But if you have, you know we've covered 28 cities and ballparks, and we have two left. We will start with the second best ballpark in terms of food offerings overall. 
And for that, we go to the northern Midwest, and this may surprise you. It's Target Field in Minneapolis, the Minnesota Twins. The safest choice here, and obviously delicious, would be a Crammer Chuck sausage, outposts all over the ballpark, can't go wrong there. Instead, the best food option at number two ranked Target Field in Minnesota is a Chana Masala from Hot Indian Foods, which is one of the Twin Cities' premier food trucks and purveyor of eclectic Indian dishes. Plus, let's face it, in Minnesota, you get about two months of summer, July and August. So for the other four months of baseball season, you need a little kick to keep you warm out in the Target Field bleachers. Overall, the Twins are regarded extremely high on this list, not only for the traditional fare, and they and they do pack a great roster of traditional burgers like the cease and desist burger from Blue Door Pub, but on top of the phenomenal Indian food, hot Indian foods, try it at the ballpark. They have some great options from one of my favorite celeb chefs, Andrew Zimmern, host of Bizarre Foods and Delicious Destinations. He has sesame peanut noodles or Korean fried chicken. That's from Andrew Zimmern inside the ballpark. And of course, like I said, the aforementioned Chana Masala. You'd be hard-pressed to find options as varied and diverse in terms of food than you will in Minneapolis at a Twins game. Um, And this is all at a sports stadium, mind you. So for that reason, number two on the list overall. We have reached the peak of the mountain, the best ballpark in terms of food in all of Major League Baseball is at home, on the train, wherever you may be, drum roll please, we go way northwest, Pacific Northwest, to T-Mobile Park in Seattle. What's good there, you may ask? Everything. Let's go into detail about some of the offerings they may have, and they're sensational. How about wontons and steamed pork buns, courtesy of Din Tai Fung, at a baseball stadium? Are you kidding me? Let's talk about the lobster rolls. This one got me going, no question. Lobster roll sitting atop a King's Hawaiian roll. You know the Hawaiian bread, that sweeter bread? You dip it in spinach dip a lot. I mean, it's probably the greatest bread you can get. That's at Sound Seafood at a ball game. I remind you. This would be the first stop we would go with my oldest daughter because she is a dessert fiend. Customizable ice cream sandwiches from Frozen Rope with gourmet cookies or brownies as buns. Hello. And the ice cream is then sourced from a couple local favorites. Squanomy ice cream and Lopez Island Creamery. Does it get any better than that? Customizing that. You've also got uh, Beecher's Poutine if you're into that. Or how about at a baseball game, Oaxaca's Chapulines. And if you don't know what this is, before you roll your eyes or stick out your tongue, let me tell you. You might like it. It's toasted grasshoppers in a zesty citrus seasoning from Edgar's Cantina. Wow. Talk about diversity. Talk about offerings, everything from traditional to way over the top, sweets and savories. Seattle, number one ballpark food at the major league level in all of Major League Baseball. Thank you 
to T-Mobile Park. Now, we just need to get the budget for lockdown high enough to actually visit all 30 of these, do a little show at each park, behind the scenes in the kitchen to sample. If you need a host, please call me. This would be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I told you I'm a foodie at heart. My heart is still the husky jean-wearing 12-year-old that I was 25 years ago. If you have a favorite ballpark stop, whether it be major league or minor league, let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Get, get, show us on Twitter at Chicago Cubs PA at Lockdown Cubs. We'd love to see what you love to enjoy when you're at your favorite local baseball facility. Cubs signed seven players last week. I don't think you can do that. The league is locked out, is it not? I'll explain that here coming up shortly. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, better odds, and more lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action all season long. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile site, sign up today, and receive a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. That's right. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L O C K E D O N to receive your bonus today. From basketball, football, the National Hockey League, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available throughout the 2021 season. Bet online, fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Locked on Cubs rolls on after this. <clears throat> We return to Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Andrew Bellison. Thank you again for taking the time to be with us today. We appreciate it more than you know. We are free and available wherever you download your favorite podcast. So please subscribe today. Join us on YouTube. Locked On Cubs has a YouTube page. I know you don't want to look at me for 20 minutes, but it's there if you do. Please join us every morning. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. MLB lockout cruises on. Maybe that's the wrong verbiage to use. It really hasn't done much since they implemented it. Kind of a stalemate, I guess. Discussions, the experts are saying, likely won't resume on the economic side until after the holidays and into January. Time to start sweating now? Probably not just yet. Still plenty of time before anything is lost in terms of spring training and otherwise, although, depending on how discussions go the first week or two of January, that does loom as a potential possibility. We keep our fingers crossed and surely hope that that is not the case. Cubs not hibernating completely, though, during this lockout. Jed and company still hard at work at Wrigley Field during an otherwise slow time. On Friday, the team announced seven minor league signings. That include non-roster invites to Big League Camp in Mesa, Arizona this spring. This is inventory depth and adding players to the non-roster picture for spring training. Minor league transactions. That's why it's okay. That's why they're able to do that at a time when the league is locked out. Let me run through this list of seven guys. Maybe you've heard of some of them. You probably have. Maybe you haven't. Left-handed pitcher Steven Gonsalves. Lefty had a cup of coffee with the Red Sox, I think just three or four games in 2021. He was up with the Twins as well a few years ago. Spent most of the year last year in AAA with Boston. 
Uh, catcher P.J. Higgins, he was up with the Cubs last year. He was a 12th-round pick by the Cubs in 2015. Finally reached the show as a backup in 21. Went one for 23 in a nine-game stint before right forearm injury required season-ending surgery. Further catcher depth behind Contreras and Jan Gomes. Right-handed pitcher Jonathan Holder, he was signed to an MLB deal last offseason, but he missed uh, the whole 21 season because of a right shoulder injury. He spent parts of uh, 2016 through 2020 seasons with the Yankees, posting a 438 ERA and 157 appearances in that span. Watch out for him. Potential bullpen help, depending on how the rotation shakes out here as we move through the winter. Mark Leiter Jr. also signed. He split last season between double-A and triple-A in Detroit system, logged a 377 run average overall, 145 strikeouts against just 31 walks. That's awesome in a, over 114 innings pitch combined. 30-year-old righty had a 5.5 ERA in 47 games at the major league level in 17 and 18 between the Phillies and Jays. How about Dixon Machado, middle infielder for the Tigers for three years, back in 15, 16, 17, 18 maybe, four years. Um, spent 19 with AAA Iowa. Uh, was in Korea the last two years playing in the Korean baseball organization. Another lefty pitcher, Lock St. John, AAA Toledo for Detroit. Last year turned in a 258 ERA, 75 strikeouts, walked just 25 and less than 60 innings. So a good power lefty arm. Uh, we might see some of him. And this name you'll probably recognize as well. Ildemaro Vargas, 30-year-old, had stops with the Cubs in 20 and 21. Versatile utility option. Uh, last year played 34 games between the Cubs, Pirates, and Diamondbacks at the major league level. So Cubs bolster that 40-man roster, and you'll see all of those gentlemen at spring training if and when we get there. Again, fingers crossed. Thank you, thank you again for being with us. Locked on Cubs here today. We hope you have a wonderful Monday. Tomorrow we're going to take a look at the best free agents still on the market, thanks to the lockout. Also want to dive into a Cubs.com feature that talked about the best Cubs players that also wore a dreaded Cardinals jersey. That'll be a fun list. We love you. We thank you for being with us. Have a great Monday. This has been Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Andrew Bellison. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning.